Welcome to part two of Kenyatta, Mark, and myself's discussion of our favorite movies of the past year. Mostly streamed into our home viewing computers and TVs, these movies helped all of us through a year from hell. Hope this makes you think of your own quarantine movie cues. Let us know some of your own picks using the email in the description. Remember, you can join the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and RSVP for an online event for peer-reviewing scripts, giving feedback on fellow writers' work while networking with them as well. Enjoy! So going, I, I wanted to mention a few movies that, uh, you know, I, I've talked about documentaries and I've talked about the drama, but I wanted to sort of, uh, the movies that sort of uh, uh, not quite easily defined, uh, you know, in terms of uh, what, what genre or what uh, style of filmmaking. Uh, the first one I wanted to mention was uh, Hamilton, uh, uh, the uh, film, the musical uh, with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I came on Disney Plus right on uh, uh, July, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I, of course, I never was able to catch it uh, live performance. But uh, I'm so thankful that uh, I was able to actually watch it and uh, you know, take in the, the music and the, the performances. Um, and it, it's always an interesting um, exercise to see what kind of is this actually a movie or is this just a film performance? But uh, I'll argue that. Uh, since uh, there's different cam- there's multi-camera uh, work and uh, there's different edits that are going on that uh, it's uh, it's a movie like uh, there's an editor making conscious diso- choices of what to show or when to show it and uh, what part of the stage that uh, they want to uh, they want to highlight and uh, so Hamilton uh, yeah I, it was definitely something I'm, I'm so glad uh, that uh, more people would be able to see it because of course uh, tickets were hard to come by when it was, uh, especially with the original cast when it was out and uh, doing the theatrical scene but uh, it came on Disney plus and I, I'm glad that uh, they were able to uh, to put it out there and also uh, I think uh, also on Disney plus uh, came out at, uh, pretty much uh, the, the same time uh, uh, Black is King, the Beyonce sort of visual album. Uh, she's done a few. Uh, uh, Lemonade was a few years ago, but uh, uh, you know, this is definitely the better uh, Lion King adaptation, uh, not the uh, not the uh, not not the live action one that was from a few years ago. This definitely takes uh, snippets from the Lion King lore and everything, but uh, of course, Beyonce does her thing with uh, uh, in terms of the music and in terms of the imagery and. Uh, you know, there are many uh, filmmakers involved, but uh, I think it all came together just spectacular. And it was a, it's a great show. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely something that definitely like sort of something that should uh, help uh, help market Disney Plus to a wider audience. Yeah, I don't have Disney Plus, so I, I miss. <laughs> oh, oops! I got too many again platforms. Mm, so, that's right. Yeah. No, Disney Plus is just like, <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, we're all going to have a lot of, there's going to be so much, uh, uh, you know, fight for views, uh, you know, very, you know, this just coming year, you know, HBO Max is sort of uh, throwing the gauntlet with uh, their uh, simultaneous theatrical and uh, streaming, uh, streaming way. And Disney Plus has all the original shows. Uh, Netflix is, is like sort of the standard bearer. They've been in the game for a lot longer than either of those. So, they're always trying to, uh, to to up themselves there, and I'll I'll mention the other Spike Lee movie 
that uh, I wanted to mention, uh, David Byrne's American Utopia, which is on went to HBO Max. And, and uh, uh, you know, if, even if you're not a huge uh, Talking Heads fan, uh, I don't think it really matters. Uh, I think the, again, it's, it's sort of like in the vein of Hamilton, like is this sort of just a film performance or is this a movie? And uh, again, the edit, uh, Spike Lee is making a lot of choices in terms of where to, he's putting the camera and where he's, uh, who's, uh, whose performance he's capturing in the moment. Uh, uh, so I, I'll, I'll always, uh, always argue that it, it's, a, it's a film that uh, in order to best, uh, best convey what it was like to be an audience for American Utopia, which must have been great. Uh, because I was, yeah, I was ecstatic uh, just being watching this on uh, on my TV. But I would have loved to have been part of the audience for, uh, you know, as David Byrne, you know, he does a few of his Talking Head stuff, of course, uh, uh, the the big hits. But uh, he does uh, he does other songs. He does uh, so other performance sort of uh, 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 sort of stage work. But uh, definitely, definitely something to check out on HBO Max. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Spike Lee had a, had a great year uh, with this and uh, Defy Bloods. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah, American Utopia is on my list as well. Um, haven't got a chance to get to it yet. I uh, saw, um, it's a Black is King. I did see that. I didn't finish watching it, but the, the, I mean, I, I saw like a good thirty-five percent of it, and it was it was fantastic. So I would definitely recommend that. And um, I had Disney Plus for like a year, and that, and and I just right before that year ended, Hamilton, you know, uh, reached Disney Plus, and I tried to watch. See, I'm not a big musical person in terms of I don't, you know, I don't watch a lot of musicals, like you know, like La La Land and all that kind of stuff. So I did try to watch Hamilton. I made a, you know, I did an attempt. But it didn't take long to shut it off. But that doesn't mean it's not, you know, I'm not saying it's not good. But it's just, that's that's not my thing. But if it is, if it is your thing, and look, I mean, just from what, what little bit I've seen, if I was the kind of person who likes musicals like that, I think you would love it. Um, it was just, uh, you know, I, like I said, if if you don't like musicals, you may not, you know, you may not like it, but if you do, I, it looks like it's a, you know, very beautiful film. Uh, so, anyways, um, one, one, one of the things this this is on Amazon is uh, Steve McQueen, director Steve McQueen. He has a series called Small Acts, and it's a series of five episodes, and basically each episode is. The, uh, the length of a feature. Some of them an hour and a half, some are very close to an hour and a half. So basically, there's a question, are these, is this a, t- a TV series or, or is it just a series of films? I just consider it a series of films, an anthology of films. And I was going to lump them all together, but instead I'm going to break it down. And um, what the, my next film I'm going to mention is Education. That was the very last episode. And at first, I thought that was going to be the weakest one. Because, like, you know, when it first came out, I was like, okay, um, let's let's see how this turns out, you know. Um, I just, in my head, I was like, this is probably going to be the weakest one out of all of them. 
Uh, it's still probably good, blah, blah, blah. And I end up actually liking it quite a bit, you know, and um, I definitely recommend it. it's called Education. And um, even though this took place and I believe, because like the whole series of films took place between 1969 and 1982. Okay, so it felt, even though that was like, you know, um, many, many decades ago, you know, two or three, uh, three, three or four decades ago, um, it's still relevant today, man. Uh, we're 2021 and we're facing some of the same issues, man. Um, more things, you know, people's, oh, you know, this all this progress, but it seems like, and I noticed that with this, with this whole series, it's like, uh, we think in all the stuff we, that we're seeing with the social activism and justice and all this kind of stuff um, that's being revealed. Um, people think this is some new stuff. I mean, we're talking about 1969, 1970, 1980, but education would be my, my next pick. And um, since I guess we're talking about small acts, uh, my, my number two on my list, because education would be number three, Number two would be Mangrove. And that was the first episode in that series with um, uh, the, the girl from Black Panther. What, what is her name, Letitia? Letitia Wright. Right, Letitia Wright. She was, she's in it. A lot of, I mean, Steve McQueen, his cinematography is amazing. His direction is amazing. Um, all the, the, you know, the actors, the wardrobe, um, just, Everything about Mangrove was was amazing. So um, actually, actually, almost, I, th I think that was my number one pick for the for the year. That was my favorite film of uh, 2020. So if you haven't seen Small Axe, if you have Amazon Prime, I would go check that out. So Education and um, Mangrove. Yeah, uh, so so Marcus kind of ducked out for a little bit uh, while we talked about small hacks, but uh, yeah, I'll just say, yeah, I watched the uh, old five parts. I, I definitely consider it a series of movies and anthology rather than TV series or just uh, separate movies. Uh, I think it's five movies that sort of show the complete picture of this West Indie community uh, in the UK and from uh, the 70s into the early 80s. Um, and actually, Mangrove is the is the movie I thought was a much better version of Trials of Chicago Seven, um, in terms of uh, taking a perspective and just uh, you know uh, making sure that uh, uh, that that uh, that experience is related. Um, it gets into yeah, and it gets into the the, the racial dynamics of, of the the police and uh, how they terrorized uh, this community, especially this uh, this little restaurant that served uh, uh, the, that served food. Uh, they they just came in and just ransacked at, at uh, will, and uh, finally the community decided to take a stand. And then uh, there was a you know there was a uh, there was a march and a confrontation, and then the sort of it turns into a courtroom drama after that. But uh, I think yeah. The, yeah, I, I love Steve McQueen. Uh, he's, uh, he's he's a fantastic uh, filmmaker. He's always uh, he's always able to get such great performances out of his performers. And uh, yeah, like you said, the cinematography is great. Uh, the editing is great. Like uh, he's just a top notch uh, 
a filmmaker in every department. Uh, but definitely, I, I think I also agree. Mangrove is the standout uh, of that of that set, and uh, one of my favorites as well. Yeah, and one thing too that was important is that um, you know at work, and not just my work, but I know other people at their jobs they've been having like um, uh, diversity groups and stuff like that, and you know and um, people, employees were allowed um, the floor to kind to, to kind of talk about their feelings about what's going on in the world. And I noticed a thing going on is that people act like this is new. That's number one. And number two is only happening in America. Right. I like about this film is pointing out, not only is it not new, but it's not just happening in, 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 in America. It's, it's global and it's, it's you know, because I think um, this... I know I talk about cognitive dissonance, but um, I know people have this misconception and I think, you know, people should watch this series and kind of, you know, um, take into account that this is, no, like I said, nothing new and it's not uh, relegated to just Boston, Massachusetts or um, um, New England or America. It's London, it's here, it's there, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, um, I think that's that's a misconception and this series kind of helps, you know, um, tear that down. Right, yeah, uh, just, yeah. Uh, he's able to just make, you know, something that happened 30, 40 years ago just seem, you know, that it happened, that it's happening right, right at this moment. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, what is past is prologue, uh, you know, it's inescapable. Um, and uh, McQueen makes that readily apparent in all of those movies. Uh, I also recommend, yeah, I recommend the entire series. Mangrove was my favorite, but uh, you know, Lover's Rock, I also thought was, was great. Sort of this impressionistic sort of night on the town uh, for, this, uh, for, the, for this woman and uh, how she goes to a house party and uh, everything that happens during those, uh, those, how, the, 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 during those uh, get, get-togethers. Um, uh, uh, red, white, and blue. Uh, you got a lot of uh, press because of John Boyega's involvement, and uh, uh, like you said, it's not just the United States; it's also the UK. You know, John Boyega was very vocal uh, during the, the summer protests in by in his uh, UK with uh, uh, sort of uh, leading, being a leading voice there. And uh, yeah, you mentioned the education. Um, yeah, and Alex Whittle is uh, is. It's probably the weakest in my in my opinion, but uh, I still, agree. yeah. But uh, it's sort of uh, yeah, it's sort of like what we were talking about, sort of generic. I wouldn't say generic biopic, like in terms of the worst offenders, but uh, it just didn't seem to fit with the other uh, with the other entries. Uh, it's sort of a a weird uh, sort of by I, would, I hate saying by the books uh, for Steve McQueen, but it'd be very uh, um, it just didn't stand out in terms of uh, telling. Uh, uh, telling this person's story, uh, the, uh, uh, the main uh, the main figure, Alex Whittle. Lover's Rock was kind of weird for me because, like, I'm thinking, and you know, you know, some I don't know if you ever saw Cooley High. It's I think a, so. Like, yeah, yeah, mm. with Glenn Turman. It came out in the '70s. Mm. Lover's Rock reminds me of Cooley High. Mm. It's like it really, it because like when I first saw it, I was like, "What's going on?" I mean, "What's when's the story going to start?" But after I, I saw it, I was like, man, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I think 
just the like the, the let me tell you something. Uh, it may be the UK, but uh, you know there are certain differences culturally from um, UK to Caribbean culture in UK and here, but there's a lot of similarities as well. So it's like um, when I saw that, it was kind of like uh, it was enthralling, man. It was um, mesmerizing in a sense, especially at the end when uh, with the dances and stuff like that, and they were sing along with these songs and the whole the whole. And I started looking up Lovers Rock because uh, even though you know, and the funny thing is, Small Axe there was a song by Bob Marley called Small Axe. So, and I'm pretty sure that. That, that whole film series is, you know, based off of that song. But um, I saw a little small documentary on Lover's Rock and how it came to be. And 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 I saw this film again. And it's like, um, even though there's really much of a story story, is there was something about it that was captivating. So, um, yeah. So I would definitely recommend this uh, series and... Um, you know, give it a try, and I think you enjoy it. So, is there any benefit to watching um, these small acts in, in, in sequence and other stand other standalone, I guess, movies? Uh, is there any benefit? Watching? You don't have to. No, it's an anthology. No. Yeah, you can watch it in any order you want. I mean, um, yeah, but it's an anthology of movies. They they all tell a complete story on their own, and uh, not even with the same characters. Sort of the just. Uh, completely separate. So you can watch them in any order you want, but uh, that's definitely what I want to talk about. Uh, yeah, if, we, if we're all able to uh, get it in. Yeah, definitely something hey, to hey, do. Hey, yeah. hey Mark, I, uh, are you familiar with Umar Johnson? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like I said, that last episode, Education, uh, I, was telling, um, I was telling Jeff how, even though the, this, the time frame was from 69 to 82, yeah how even though it's not in the United States, it's in the UK, it's, it's amazing, like, um, even with your students, if your students think, think that this is all new, you can show them, it's like, listen, this happened in this time frame, and all the stuff we're talking about now, all the stuff that Umar Johnson was talking, is talking about, I've been talking about for the past 10 years, look at this film right here, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, it's been ongoing for a while, Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. I, I again, I haven't seen it. It's always been, you know, I, I recognize that it came out in my queue. It's been tough to take in the glut, you know, of, of, of movies. When I saw the length of each one of those episodes, too. Oh, this is going to take a while to get through this. So I, I might well, have, I have it done. Um, we can review those. We want to do that. Take them, uh, this month. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think education was only an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. I'll, for you, I would recommend you watch that first. All right. And then and probably uh, Mangrove second. You know, we, we compared it to um, a different version of Trial of um, Chicago 7. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. So since you had to check out for a little bit, Mark, uh, do you want to uh, go down uh, one, of, one of your picks? Sure. Now this is something. Um, hmm. And I, maybe there's a <laughs> for me there's often a bit of a uh, 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 not a theme, but at least some consistency. Um, 
with films that I'm always kind of drawn to um, suspenseful uh, horror uh, movies. And, you know, initially this would, did not come to my mind when I thought about movies in 2020. Then the more I thought about it, the more I said, yeah, this one could qualify. Um, I think there is an issue a bit with some pacing toward the middle of it. It's that kind of law of the middle that some movies hit, they don't figure out how to kind of continue the momentum. But but um, The Lodge, uh, which a lot of folks hated. I know a lot of folks did not like the movie. Um, but again, I think there's a certain degree uh, of, of, not much, I'm not gonna compare this to Tenet, but I mean, there's some work that's required. You've gotta try to figure out what's going on. Cause it is kind of um, difficult to, to, to digest unless you're just trying to put some pieces together, nowhere near, not, not complex at all, nowhere near complexity of Tenet, but still you know, try to figure out what's happening uh, in that movie. Um, and that's just my, my, my love is suspense slash horror or horror slash suspense, whatever. And this one's gonna, you know, um, despite, I'm sure it, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't question for a second that it's um, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores are probably horrible. <laughs> but um, I've loved movies that, <laughs> that the critics have hated in the past. Like uh, if I go back another year before that one, I loved the movie Mother, right? And everyone, a lot of folks hated that movie. So I love that movie. Love that movie I love too. My own mother. I, I know. <laughs> Listen, you, this is one of those films you're gonna probably you know hate if you're an average movie goer. But I really appreciated The Lodge because it told you know um, a suspense horror story in a different way, and you had to put some pieces together. Yeah, I love divisive horror movies. Um, yeah, Mother, Mother is definitely up there. Uh, the Witch, uh, The yeah. Witch, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, yeah, and I did see The Lodge um, uh, as, you know, a, a, an actual horror movie that I saw the, during the year. I think right before, I think it was still in like February, so one of my last uh, theater viewings right before, uh, right before the COVID stuff. But uh, yeah, it is a, it became, it became a lot more relevant uh, during the course of the rest of the year, uh, certainly with in terms of isolating in a house and having sort of cabin fever and then uh, your anxieties and your, you know, uh, fears all catching up to you, you know, it's definitely more relevant now. Maybe I'll give it another watch, you know, sometime just to see how, uh, you know, how truthful it was to experience of uh, uh, sheltering in place for, uh, uh, for a few days and weeks on end. I haven't seen it, but um, because you guys are making it sound like, you know, something worth checking out, I'm going to check it out. It is, it is, yeah, I think you like, uh, yeah, it's definitely um, very stripped down horror. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's just all like sort of psychological in terms of what, uh, is it Riley Kaong? Uh, yeah. Riley yeah. Kaong is character that uh, what she's going through being uh, trapped in this, uh, um, this, uh, this house with uh, kids are not our own. And uh, it, it, yeah, I think, I think you'll definitely dig it. It's, uh, it's something I, that's definitely streaming because that was that came out like in the early of the year last year. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll one of one of the <laughs> last movies that I, I did uh, see at the theaters, the second to last, the penultimate, the penultimate movie I saw in the theaters uh, was uh, Invisible Man, which again, along with my kind of horror uh, suspense uh, uh, jonesing, 
Um, this is for me um, a refreshing movie only because I was afraid of the turn it would take. Um, I was afraid that it'd be going along the lines of the rest of the proposed uh, dark universe. We, we, we saw um, the monstrosity, um, <laughs> no pun intended, in my mind at least, of, of the mummy um, and their attempt to create a, a dark universe to kind of rival the MCU or um, the DCEU, and which is a horrible uh, flop. Um, and then I was just wondering if this movie was gonna try to continue along those lines and kind of tie in other uh, properties from Universal that they're gonna make into more movies. They didn't do that because I didn't notice anything like that in this movie, unless there's something hidden, some Easter eggs I didn't notice. Um, but um, yeah, as usual, um, oh my gosh. Um, lead actress, her name is escaping me, Elizabeth Moss, um, always does a, ph a phenomenal job with whatever you know, script she has. Um, and I just uh, appreciated uh, the storytelling uh, of the Invisible Man in a new way, a different way than, than had been told previously in the old Universal uh, Pictures uh, lore of the Invisible Man. I also liked it. Um, it didn't make my top 10, but definitely honorable mention. Um, and I didn't expect like the mummy with Tom Cruise. I, I wasn't expect, expecting anything like that because of the director of the film. He also did Upgrade and he did other films like, uh, so, is this the same guy who did Saw? Yeah, he's one of the we, co-writer of Saw, Saw yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. Um, so I, I was. This is what I was expecting from 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 this uh, these guys, you know, and um, it was very yeah, it was a very entertaining film, and it was a actually kickoff for 2020 before we knew, you know, the pandemic was going to hit. But um, yeah, I agree with you. It was if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend it to anybody. Um, most people liked it. It wasn't one of those films where a lot of people hated it, and some some. The collect few may have liked it, but this one I think most, for the most part, people liked it. You might get, you know, you might get a few haters, but not as many as some of the films that we mentioned earlier. Yep, I really, yep, really liked Invisible Man. Uh, you know, for a while it was my last uh, theatrical going experience, so there was uh, attachment there. Uh, definitely a better use of the dark universe rather than uh, Mummy or um, the proposed Frankenstein. <laughs> Uh, adaptation, uh, yeah. Well, Lean One L, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, takes a different approach than H.G. Wells. Certainly, it's a modern update of the of the story, and I think that's that, that better serves um, that better serves the material. Uh, Elizabeth Moss was absolutely fantastic. Just uh, like you can, you're fearing uh, you're fearing every single uh, empty space and. Uh, sort of long, long takes of the, this wall. It's like, oh, is, is, is the guy there? Is he not there? Is it just my paranoia? Like uh, really, really fantastic work. Uh, really, um, uh, and again, I, I think we said that, uh, at the top that it was one of the last uh, huge theatrical successes uh, right before uh, 2020 went down, went down the crapshoot. So, so one thing about that movie, and I think, a reason why it really meant something to me was that usually in that genre, in the horror uh, genre, 
you can be kind of led to, um, well, there's certain cues, I'll, I'll put it. There's certain things that happen in terms of the way as, as a, a, a scene is, is shot or framed that, you know, that um, the goon or the ghoul, whatever is gonna pop out from around the corner because the way it's shot, the way it's angled, um, you're gonna catch, you know, the the protagonist not in the center of the screen, but on the corner, so you, or, you know, uh, the usual, tropes where someone opens the fridge or you know a, a medicine cabinet and they close it those kind of things aren't going to happen in this because the, the being is actually invisible um and you can't you know kind of frame it or set it up in the same way um so for me i always you know mentally or psychologically cheat you know by watching these horror movies knowing okay this is where it's going to happen the music is a cue where they're shooting it's a cue the angle is a cue all those cues are gone. Maybe music is the only you know exception, but um, in terms of where they're framing it, uh, it doesn't give anything away. That's what made it you know um, always kind of sit on the edge of your seat uh, during those, as you mentioned, moments where there's you know seemingly nothing happening or these kind of open spaces. You just don't know when and where um, that being is going to show up or not show up. <laughs> and um, I guess my this is this. Even though I mentioned my number one, I skipped over my number two. My number one is Mangrove. Number two, I would put Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Now, um, this is one of those films like a lot of people very vocal that they hated it. Um, I'm a big August Wilson fan since probably 1990. Um, when I first discovered August Wilson, I, you know, I bought a few of his plays. I actually saw some of his plays in the theater um, in, in Boston. And I saw several guitars, and I saw Jetney, and I saw maybe one other one. It was it was so long ago, but um, it made me watch a documentary on Netflix where you have some high school kids um, instead of doing Shakespeare, they did August Wilson monologues. Um, it's called Given Voices. So um, this is uh, executive producer Denzel Washington. You know, he did Fences and he's actually performing Broadway. Uh, he did Fences and I think, um, um, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, he did uh, the, the character in Fences. Um, what is it? What is this? My memory is killing me, man. Was it, was it Charles Dutton? Charles did the piano lesson. Um, he did the voice of Darth Vader. Um, oh, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones did the character Fences, man. I, and I saw clips of it on YouTube. I would love to have seen him perform it, man, because the little bits and pieces I saw of him uh, performing uh, the main character in Fences was amazing. And so, and it's, it's like, um, it's kind of, it was kind of disappointing to me that a lot of people never even heard of August Wilson. He's won multiple Pulitzer uh, Prizes. Um, he's just a phenomenal, uh, you know, playwright. And, you know, he's had a few, a few adaptions of uh, his plays in the past. Like I said, Fences, he had Piano Lesson. Um, if I could think, there could be more. But in this film, Maureen's Black Bottom was... Chadwick Boltzmann's last uh, film that he did, and he was phenomenal. So he definitely deserved a nomination for his performance. And also, um, uh, 
I'm trying to think. See, my 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 memory's killing me here. Viola Davis. Uh, there you go, Viola Davis, man. She was, uh, man. She deserves a nod. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't too familiar with Ma Rainey, even though I know I didn't know that was a real person, even though I knew about the play back in 1990. I saw some old clips on YouTube, so thank God for YouTube, because um, otherwise I would never have seen what she looks like or what. But anyways, um, not everybody's performance was very, very, very good, but. Just two standouts were Levy, the character of Levy, played by Chadwick, and the main character, Ma Rainey, played by uh, Viola Davis, were the standouts. And the dialogue was magnificent. So just to, you know, we talked about uh, Hamilton a little bit, about whether it's a film or um, a film performance. See, to me, uh, this was based on, a lot of people are upset because it's mainly around the, um, she was recording a song called um, Black Bottom. And it was, it's mainly at the recording studio. And I guess a lot of people didn't like that. So, it was the, you know, it's based on the play and people had never heard of the play. So to me, this was a movie adaption of a play. And to me, I think Hamilton is more like a film performance. But I understand, you know, where Jeff was coming from, but... Um, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely, I would definitely recommend this. It's on Netflix, and it just came on Netflix probably like a month ago. Yeah, it's on my list. Um, again, I, I'm very familiar with August Wilson and his work, and really, you know, appreciate him. He's been called the American Shakespeare um, because of the way he's able to turn a phrase, um, and as well as you know, his ability to kind of highlight um, in a very artful way. Um, what life is like in America, especially for African-American people. Um, I, during my time with the repertory and theater um, group in Michigan, uh, started as Avery from the piano lesson. Uh, so I'm hoping that Denzel gives me a call to reprise my role for his Netflix version of it. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, this is something that if you're not aware that it, it's based on the stage play. You might kind of throw you for a loop because it is um, static in terms of, I guess, the locations, right? The, the emotions and the dialogue are fantastic. Um, but much like, you know, Chicago 7, there, there aren't that many um, sets, right? You have the studio. Um, there's a, a brief kind of encounter outside the studio with a, like a car accident and there are others shots in an alley. Right, but beyond that, for the most part, it's taking place in the studio, and of course, the opening scene um, in a tent somewhere. But um, yeah, the strength of, of of August Wilson's words is just amazing, and to think about the fact that he created uh, ten plays, one for every decade of uh, the twentieth century, um, and with each one, you know, captures you know what's key, um, um, one of the key um, uh, stressors for African Americans. In this case, we're talking about you know, who owns the art that's created by African-Americans. Um, and that's still an issue now, right? When you can consider that with, with music now, there are 360 contracts where, where artists um, sign contracts that um, basically make the, their, their um, the folks who own them, the, 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 the actual uh, companies that, that own their music, uh, own every aspect 
of their lives from, you know, uh, movie performances to stage performances to any merchandising. So it still continues the story of who owns the art, the artistry uh, of Black people. It's, 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 uh, it's, ti it's timeless. Yeah, I uh, loved it. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm, so, I'm glad that uh, August Wilson is, yeah, is getting more adaptations. I saw Fences a few years ago, which I really liked too. I thought they're just powerhouse performances from Washington and uh, Davis. Uh, but here, I'm, it's almost an inescapable uh, Chadwick Boseman's you know, farewell performance. It's almost impossible to separate the two, but even if he, even if it wasn't, you know, all the emotion behind that, uh, he is doing a fantastic job with this very complicated character. He gets all the notes correctly and uh, is able to go out on, a, you know, go out on a high note. Uh, you know, he always he always was great, but uh, you know, I think this definitely as you know, unintended as it was as it is, a great capper to his career. Uh, you know, tragic capper, but uh, if you, uh, that is, um, I think it's a good testament to uh, to his career. Um, yeah, I think in terms of, uh, uh, of the, the, the problems with, um, uh, audience response to sort of this, uh, this adaptation of a stage play, it's, uh, I think they may, may, probably people weren't expecting it to be that, you know, that enclosed, that closed off where it's just basically taking place in two rooms, you know, the green room and the, the actual recording booth, uh, where they, go and it's sort of the uh the byplay between the two uh where um uh viola davis's ma Rainey is sort of dominating one one room and now uh, levy uh chadwick boson's character is is sort of king of the other room and uh, it's sort of the the byplay between the two that really like uh that really drives the thing if you're not picking up on that then perhaps you're you're, you're just uh wondering like why we're only in two rooms this entire film uh you know uh, uh, it's, um, and again, uh, uh, like Mark, what you said, it's really the words of August Wilson that really just, uh, really hits like, it's almost like every line is just able, it's just ups itself in terms of just emotional and, and, uh, um, dramatic effect. Uh, and definitely when you get two performers like, uh, like Bozeman and Davis to, to bring it, uh, like you get just a great, uh, you get a great uh, two-hander uh, that really sells sells the sells the script and sells the uh, sells the messages of the of the play. Definitely one of one of my picks as well. How's everybody? The, the, the ten. I mean, I do have a couple of um, honorable mentions. And, honorable, um, yeah, we can do honorable mentions here. Yeah. Yeah, and one of my honorable mentions is Run. Okay, so this is on, um, what has it been on? Is it Hulu? Yeah, it's, yes, on Hulu. And it's, here go my memory again, but she, um, what's the name of the actress? She was in, um, she was in a lot of the, uh, she was, she, she played the um, Nurse Ratched. Um, Sarah Paulson. There you go, Sarah Paulson. What the hell is wrong with my memory? But she did you know, fantastic job in in this film. And um, I learned that the person in the film um, who played the daughter, she's in real life, she's actually in a wheelchair. I thought it was an actress who, you know, but in real life, she's in the wheelchair. But um, if you like Invisible Man, if you like It's a Lie, um, this is definitely up there. It was quite, 
a surprise, you know what I mean? So I, it was a treat to have this go to streaming. This is something I think it was good enough to see in the theater. Um, so, you know, just in terms of entertainment value, I'm not saying this is the deepest movie in the world or anything like that. It's like one of those films you can sit back and just enjoy. And it's, you know, without it's having a really deep meaning behind it. And um, have any of you guys seen that run? No, I only just heard about it uh, from you. But yeah, it's uh, only available on Hulu. So uh, unfortunately, again, sort of uh, blocking out uh, blocking out uh, non-subscribers. But uh, yeah, I, I love Sarah Paulson. She's always uh, always present and always uh, always able to give such wonderful performances. I definitely want to check that out. Um, yeah, and, and, it, and, and, and yeah, and another honorable mention is Let Him Go. And um, it's when somebody when I when I heard when I heard about it, I thought it was a Western Western. Like, I mean, it had horses in it, but I didn't expect it to be more of a modern Western. And it was just such a universal story, you know. So I don't know if you guys heard of it, but it was with Kevin Costner, and um, his wife is played by. Oh my God! I, again, it's, you know my memory, but um, if I look it up, but anyways. It, what, what happens is, has any, you guys ever heard of that? Let him go. I saw the yeah. That was one of the few movies that was uh, promoted. <laughs> it was uh, I saw I saw some of the promotional stuff for it. Yeah, saw it. Okay, okay. Kevin Costner, Dying Lane. Okay, uh, terrific performances. So basically, you know, um, there's a tragedy, and I uh, say I don't want to you know give too much away, but basically they're trying to get their grandson. And um, out of a, a, a out of a bad situation, uh, so I, you know I'm going to I'm purposely being um, vague about it. But if you haven't seen it, I'll definitely check that out. It was a, it was a surprise, you know. Um, anyways, and uh, my last one honorable mention that I I'm going to throw out there is Hunter Hunter. Um, there was an anime. There was like a Japanese anime Hunter Hunter. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the live action that has nothing to do with the Japanese anime. I don't know if you guys heard of Hunter Hunter at all. No, I've heard, but I don't know much about it. I've seen the, the I guess the trailer part of the trailer. I, I do partial trailers. I don't do the whole trailers anymore. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's like very surprise ending. I mean, the ending was. I want. I don't want to call it a surprise ending, but in a way, it is. But it was just the way it ended. Was like, wow, you can have your mouth open, uh, left open, because you, that's how shocked you're gonna be. And um, and so, but it's it's pretty much a thriller slash horror. Um, I think it's more on a suspense thriller, you know, um, as uh, end of the spectrum. But it's a family that lives out in the woods and they're tracking down um, a wolf. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, sometimes, you know, who who's the hunter, you know? <laughs> you know, who's the hunter? It's like the hunter becomes the hunter, you know, that sort of thing. So um, I would definitely recommend that if you haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, so going going into uh, some honorable mentions, uh, yeah, uh, some ones that uh, 
So once I, I don't see a lot of on uh, uh, people's favorites of the year. I, you know, hope, hopefully some people got to them, but uh, maybe I'll give them a little bit more representation here. Uh, Tiger Tail, uh, which came on Netflix uh, during the summer. It's about a, uh, uh, the intergenerational sort of uh, immigration experience uh, between this, uh, this man who immigrates from Taiwan uh, and uh, it sort of becomes estranged from his daughter that he raises in America. It's sort of the, uh, the, the problems that come up there. Uh, very, very uh, sort of very um, another sort of uh, intimate sort of family drama, but uh, very, uh, very prescient in uh, telling the sort of immigration story and, uh, by uh, Alan Yang. But uh, another one, uh, uh, you know, uh, Elizabeth Moss again for the, uh, you know, unquote, but uh, uh, in Shirley, uh, she was uh, uh, as a Sh uh, Shirley Ann Jackson. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I said at the top that uh, I don't much care for biopics, but uh, I do like this kind of biopic where they take a specific instance uh, from uh, this acclaimed person's life and really like uh, helps tell the whole story about this person and uh, how they uh, how they came about, how they became famous. And with this one, it's uh, how Shirley Ann Jackson, you know, uh, author of uh, Lottery and, uh, uh, and uh, other uh, mystery, uh, mystery novels, uh, how she came about, how she went through her writing process. And, uh, it's one of those things. It's it's one of those things. It's hard to, to portray on screen the writing process, the creative process, uh, what have you. But uh, they do very well in in terms of showing just uh, the very the nature of uh, of this of how she came about, uh, drawing from real life and drawing from uh, uh, stories from other people in order to come up with her uh, with her story ideas and. Uh, one last one, uh, First Cow um, uh, by Kelly Reichard. Uh, she's, a, she's, she's a very well-known in the independent circles and she's had a very nice run of uh, movies so, uh, recently. But um, this one is also sort of about the immigration experience, but uh, sort of this one is a very uh, grounded Western. Uh, it just shows, that shows the kinship between uh, uh, these two um, uh, these two, these two uh, really, uh, um, uh, these two travelers and how they bond and how they sort of uh, they cope with the, uh, the this, uh, this this Western frontier, uh, and uh, I don't want to give. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those. It, it's hard to really s spoil because it's uh, it's not one of those movies, but uh, uh, it's more a movie that you're just going along with the emotions and. Uh, you're running it there rather than just the story uh, because it's very, it's very methodical in its pacing. It's very slow, but uh, I definitely think uh, if you know Kelly Reichert's style, uh, you'll love, uh, you'll love First Cow. Definitely. It uh, certainly was one of the, the better ones of last year. Yeah, definitely familiar with, with uh, hearing about First Cow. Want to check that one out. Have not seen it yet. Sorry for any background noise. Once I started hearing, you know, Kenyatta talking about uh, that last movie. So, oh, no, let it go. Um, because I, I've been looking forward to, 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 to checking out, uh, well, run. Um, but yeah, for, um, 
as far as honorable mentions, I also thought about the possibility of including um, like a TV series in this. Um, and that is Lovecraft Country, which f for me, I mean, if we're ever gonna talk about um, <laughs> kind of hidden monsters or monsters even hidden in plain sight, um, January 6th revealed some monsters. And I think that's a little bit about, you know, uh, I guess the theme in Lovecraft is that there are monsters among us. Um, and at times they kind of rear their heads and they take different forms. And um, sometimes you know, depending on how connected you are uh, in the society, you don't see them or recognize them, but for some they are, they are as plain as day. Um, so of course I'm talking about the capital siege on, on, on the sixth um, by folks that, you know, I'll call them vanilla ISIS uh, in, in terms of um, their approach. Some say y'all Qaeda, whatever, but these are people. I, lo I like the Ku Klux Klan. Ku Klux Klan, yeah. But, you know, these are, I think part of the issue um, around um, whether or not folks liked crap country, not, not the entire reason, because I know some folks didn't like it, but it is coming to grips to come to terms with uh, the monsters that are around us, not, not you know, these kind of uh, fantastical Lovecraftian in terms of uh, beings, but the real people that are around us who are monstrous in terms of their behavior, now they can change and shift form. Um, and when I, as an educator working in schools, I recognize that certain people uh, on this Thursday were not really open to talking about what happened on Wednesday, because they're having to kind of reframe how they think about um, their own countrymen and countrywomen, um, and how you know they think about you know Uncle Larry, who's at Thanksgiving dinner, right? So, um, yeah, Lovecraft, I think, is um, a, a television show, a series set back uh, a couple of generations ago, but it's certainly of this era in terms of the monsters that are around us. Well, well, in terms of TV, I mean, we can do our top. 10 TV of 2020, and that would definitely make my top 10. Yeah, it would be up there for me. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I, I, I didn't quite enjoy the ending of it, and I guess we won't spoil it too much. I, there's probably a lot to talk. We might do one on it because it is interesting to talk about. <laughs> okay. But everything, yeah, Mark was saying, anyway, everything that Mark was saying about, uh, yeah, the monsters that are hidden, the monsters that are obvious to other people that uh, uh, perhaps uh, that aren't given a lot of, that are really silenced and that don't have uh, as much pull in the community as, as, as they should. Uh, I think they, they do an amazing job there. Uh, they don't do an amazing job in some other aspects, but uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we will get into it because, yeah, it is an interesting series to talk about. It's like Tenet's. Uh, there's some good things about it. There's some bad things about it. There's some confusing things about it. Uh, anything that uh, warrants that much discussion, I think, uh, uh, definitely, uh, definitely deserves mention. Uh, whether or not you, whether or not you come out with it, uh, positive or not. I, I don't think it sticks the landing, right? I mean, that that for one thing. I mean, so in, in a sense, um, the ending itself could be considered a little bit um, anticlimactic, or at least not satisfying. Um, I think that it, it, it throughout the series kind of builds up to something that something that is not kind of um, for me satisfied at the end. But for me, it was the journey uh, as well as their ability to kind of pinpoint or highlight the ways in which you know 
people have had to kind of navigate throughout the world uh, that's full of um, obstacles and monsters, even though a lot of folks who are their contemporaries don't recognize uh, these monsters being there. Yeah, definitely. I think the promise of the first what, five episodes or so and where we ended up it just is completely different than what, it's, you know, maybe that's just my expectation or what to, but I, yeah, I, I completely agree. It just does not, it didn't stick the landing for me, but maybe we'll get into it uh, in the future episodes on, on, on that. But uh, in terms of, yeah. Didn't send us down this path. We don't have to, of course, <laughs> to, uh, television shows. We weren't really, I guess, prepared for that. But I just thought that it's one of those um, kind of prescient shows that, that especially with this past week, yes, the monsters, and they are, they're right there. Um, anyway. Right. Yeah, that, that could be a show all in of itself. That's what I was saying, yeah. Because... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mark, I just want, I, I know that you don't have the other platforms, but um, in order to see some of the stuff, they do have like free trials, like for a month, like HBO Max has two weeks. Uh, Showtime has like a month. So if, if you're missing some of this stuff, man, you could take advantage of some of these free trials. Great, I'll, I'll certainly take you up on that because I'm wondering how you guys were able to afford uh, like five different platforms. I'm like, what? The table by itself is enough for me, let alone adding other platforms on it. We're just sharing passwords all around, sort of uh, just sharing accounts. Uh, that's how I get along at least. Um, but yeah, but you have you have Amazon Prime, right? Uh, I do, I do. Okay. So yeah, you can get a few trials of like Showtime and other other premium networks. Uh, you can get like a little uh, subscription there from that. And I've got uh, Shutter too, which of course is not, you know, <laughs> it's not highbrow stuff, but um, again, feeds my, my, my thirst quenches my thirst for, for horror movies. Mm-hmm. Right. 2020 goes without saying, it'll be one of, one of these shittiest uh, experiences uh, we'll collectively go through as a, uh, as a, as a nation as in the world, uh, in terms of everything that uh, went down, uh, both, um, both in terms of public health and politics and every manner, every rung of society. But uh, I think, uh, Films can serve as an escape, and the films can also serve as mirrors. I think we went over a bunch of them that uh, in our list that are that do both. Uh, that were able to give us a little bit of reprieve uh, from uh, all the all the stuff that was going on, and uh, all the stuff that's continuing to go on. And um, it also gives us a mirror, and it shows us, you know, whether that's uh, the Steve McQueen series or the or Spike Lee's uh, The Five Bloods. Uh, they're able to turn a little bit more introspection in terms of why are these things happening? Oh, because past is prologue. Or in terms of these things have been going on for a long time. It's not just uh, it's not just of the moment or anything. It's always there's always something bubbling beneath the surface, and it's up to you whether or not you want to see that. And I think films and art itself are able to do that. And I think they really provided that in this absolute year of hell that we all collectively have gone through. Yeah, for me, my final thought is that um, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse. Yeah, the curse is the pandemic, but the blessing is is that it allowed um, the smaller budget films, the more personal films, to get uh, a little bit more shine, and all the big budgets were 
pushed back to 2021, 2022. So there's no distraction of all the explosions and everything, which is a good escapism. I know people like, I mean, I personally, I love uh, Marvel films and stuff like that, superhero films, and I love the big budget and everything. But um, it kind of overshadows a lot of the um, the smaller, more personal films. And um, like I said, the blessing is that we, the hard part is it doesn't get marketing as much as the bigger budget films because they have the budget for marketing and not so much for the smaller films. So those, you rely more on word of mouth and podcasts like this one. Because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of films that we mentioned that people have never never heard of so they could put that in their queue and check out check them out um like i said i had personally had to do research on a lot of these films and rely on critics i watched like uh chris stuckman and um the other guy i can't think of his name right now but um they they, they you know they like i said that's a word of mouth and this you have so many different platforms to just take advantage of some of the trials and um maybe you can catch some of them and um you know, if you're a screenwriter, I mean, this is a opportune time to um, to write something very personal, and you know, because uh, <clears throat> beforehand it's like, you know, you got to think of, you still got to think of like a business person, but um, because there's so much emphasis on making money, because um, you know, you know, these uh, you know, Hollywood is a business, mainstream film industry is a business so you know they'll put in 300 million dollars into a film and they want to see a big they make a billion dollars they want to see that profit so but now it's more about art you get what i'm saying it's about art um <clears throat> and as artists what does artists do they uh interpret the world you know uh, um help uh humanity that circumnavigate you know just the life man and um so 2020 is that blessing and 2021 maybe more of that so um you know just take advantage of you know um you know in this you know expose yourself to more of these personal films and hopefully it, these independent films get you know they when things open back up they don't get lost in the shuffle again yeah, and I would say that, you know, when one door closes, another one opens, and that's kind of like the, what kind of piggybacking off of what Kenyatta just said in terms of, you know, there's an opportunity now to check out these smaller films, these independent films. Um, for me, um, you could have, uh, if somebody were to uh, want to find me or catch me somewhere um, on a, a Saturday in years past, if it was Saturday, and it was midday or at least around two o'clock, I was at a theater someplace looking at a movie and I wouldn't go at night because I was always ticked off by the, the the distractions of, you know, like the teen audience, or whatever. But but I miss the theater going experience. Um, I have watched a number of things as we all have, I guess at home via various platforms, but there's something about the large screen. There's something about uh, the way a movie sounds in a theater, something about even sharing the experience with people you don't know that makes the movie-going experience uh, unique, special, um, 
something you can't really replicate at home, no matter what you've got in terms of your system at home, I don't think you're gonna replicate the movie going experience. So I'm hoping we get back to that at some point uh, really soon. I'm wondering to what degree um, not having theaters open and not having those audiences be able to kind of uh, shell out the money for those movies, how that will impact um, uh, future budgets, uh, future projects, uh, the commitment to um, even doing films that require multi uh, locations. I mean, uh, some of the better movies we've seen is I had on my list this year were Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and the uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven, which didn't require a lot of that in terms of um, not really special effects. There's, there's not a lot of scene scenery, I should say, outdoor uh, uh, sets. Um, and there are still quality films, but does their success and their, the, the lauding of these films end up mean, meaning uh, the death to, or at least the diminishing of movies that require them to be much more grand? Um, I guess that's the big question, because if you're not gonna be able to experience the grandness of the film on a large screen, why bother shelling out the money to go on location someplace? That's just CGI that you've gone to, like, I don't know, Istanbul or someplace. Why, why bother to actually go there? Right, so my fear is that um, even with all these opportunities to see the smaller films uh, and to see films also that were meant for the big screen on a small screen, that we have a limitation in terms of what the opportunities are to see uh, grand films in the setting of a theater and on your screen at home because it's not worth uh, the investment to, to send people on location someplace. Yeah, here's to uh, theaters uh, surviving and thriving after after all this. Because, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I really want to just... I really want to, uh, you know, I, I really want to keep seeing movies in theaters, especially the ones that uh, that really mean something to me. We thank you as always for giving us a listen. We had a great time discussing our favorite movies from our trying year. Hope it helped you think of your own picks from it as well. Feel free to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. You can support this podcast and the Screenwriters Group with a monthly donation by clicking on the support button anchor.fm. You can find Kenyatta and I hosting the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com. You can join us by RSVPing to a virtual peer-reviewing scripts unit by using a link in the description. We wish you all the best in your writing and other of life's pursuits. Continue on staying strong.